0: Welcome to the podcast that will teach you how to successfully invest in and build steady streams of passive income from the highly lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. Veteran real estate investors Kevin Bupp and Charles Dehart from Mobile Home Park Academy will personally share with you the valuable lessons they've learned along their journey as mobile home park investors so that you too can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this extremely lucrative niche. So, without further ado, Let's welcome your hosts for today's show, Kevin Bupp and Charles DeHart. Welcome,
1: guys and gals, to the Mobile Home Park Investing Weekly Podcast, where we'll provide all the information that you need to know to successfully locate, negotiate, close on, and make huge profits from the lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. I'm your host, Kevin Bupp, and in today's show, we're going to be speaking with a real estate investor and serial entrepreneur, Brian Tripp. Since starting his investing career in 2012, Brian founded Alabama Cash Deals, Inc., a marketing company that locates property bargains throughout central Alabama. In 2016, he founded a brokerage firm that goes by the name 205 Realty. He also is the founder of the Alabama Real Estate Investor Association, which is a popular local real estate educational platform. And most recently, Brian became the proud new owner of a 59-space mobile home park located in Birmingham, Alabama. This is Brian's very first mobile home park purchase and is one that he's taken many lessons away from and it's what we're gonna be spending a lot of our time on today. Okay, so I'm anxious to get onto the show with Brian, but before we do, here's just a, a quick word from our show sponsor, Sunrise Capital Investors. Hey guys, Kevin Bupp here with Sunrise Capital Investors. As you are hopefully already well aware, if you've been a listener for any period of time, my goal has always been to provide you with as much value as I possibly can through my two podcasts, Real Estate Investing for Cash Flow and the Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. As our audience continues to grow, literally, we've been downloaded millions of times by folks in over 125 countries. I've had thousands of people reach out looking to get involved in our niche. And that's the phenomenal niche of mobile home park investing. For those that don't know, I've been a full-time real estate investor for nearly 20 years now, and I've personally invested in and have owned apartment complexes, various commercial properties, hundreds of single-family rentals, and I've interviewed some of the most successful successful investors in just about every other asset class. And I've arrived at this one very simple conclusion. Mobile home parks are hands down the best investment I've found to date. Why? They provide investors with the best risk adjusted returns out of any other real estate sector that I've seen. Investing in real estate can get complicated. And I really want to simplify this process for you. If you're someone who wants to diversify away from the uncertainty of Wall Street and allocate a percentage of your real estate portfolio to mobile home parks, but maybe you don't have the time nor the inclination to personally locate good deals yourself, then our team will do it for you. At Sunrise Capital Investors, our team specializes in the acquisitions and management of undervalued and highly profitable mobile home parks. And we are now providing accredited investors with an opportunity to participate directly alongside our team and our up and coming deals. And let me say this. I believe that we are hands down the best in our space at sourcing highly profitable off market deals. That's really what makes us unique in this niche and as investment managers. As stewards of your capital, we truly are aligned with our investors. We've structured our investment fund so that we as a company are incentivized in the same way the investor is, which is through the performance of the investment itself. In addition, we want to make sure that we not only make money for our investors, but that they understand how it's being made. That's why we provide our accredited partners with a private monthly podcast that walks them through the detailed updates on how their investment is performing. And we're very transparent, providing with the good, the bad, and the ugly at times. And so if you'd like to learn more about the partnership opportunities with our team here at Sunrise, please go visit sunrisecapitalinvestors.com and click on the investors link to get signed up. It's absolutely free and you'll get placed on the priority list of when new opportunities come along. Also, feel free to call us at 833-CASHFLOW-WITHOUT-THE-O. Again, that's 833-CASHFLOW-WITHOUT-THE-O. And one of our investor relations team members will help you schedule an appointment to speak with one of our managing principals. If you have questions, go ahead and schedule a call and let's get on the phone and talk. And with that, guys, I'd like to leave with one last thought. From the time that I wake up in the morning to the time that I lay my head down the rest of the evening, my number one priority with everything I do, whether it be recording this podcast, working for our investors, helping each of you reach your investment goals, to providing a great experience to each of our residents who reside in our communities, is to add huge amounts of value to everyone that I come in contact with. Now, with that being said, I look forward to the opportunity of bringing value to you through Sunrise and through this podcast. Thank you for your time. Now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. Okay, guys, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest for today's show Brian Tripp Brian how you doing today, my friend I'm doing great Kevin. thank you so much for having me yeah looking looking forward to uh to having you here and talking to you about your story and your background. uh obviously, you've been in real estate for a number of years now, but um you're very very new to the uh, the mobile home park space. I got into your first deal, and uh, we're going to talk about that in depth. I know that you're you're working on an exit right now and looking forward to getting into uh, some additional deals but before we get into the meat and potatoes there, Brian. If if you would, maybe just take a few minutes and give our listeners a little bit more of a background and yourself and how you got into real estate in the first place. Yeah, so I'm a product
2: of Rich Dad Education. Went to a seminar in 2012 and kind of, you know, Hook, line and sinker. They got me. Um, I've learned a lot since then. Um, I don't necessarily, I have a lot of good things to say about them. A lot of bad things to say about them. Obviously, I wouldn't be in real estate without it. Um, But I think there are a lot of holes in the the seminar model, in the, especially the big box seminar model. a lot of it has to do with local mentoring and local coaching. Um, I had to pretty much take the reins and learn on my own. There's some good education, but I had to really do a lot of my own studying. Um, I started off my very first real estate deal was in 2012. I did a wholesale transaction. I made $10,000 in after 45 days of leaving the seminar. So for me, that was very important, Kevin, because yeah. it was a mindset shift. I never, never made that you know, kind of money in one chunk ever in my life. So just really kind of reset my mind to believe that something like that's possible. Um, I was a division one college basketball coach. So as soon as I made that money, I had to go away and coach basketball for six months. So I was gone, didn't touch real estate for six months, came back, did a couple other minor things and then really went full, you know, kind of throttle in, I, I went full time in 2013, but I went full throttle into wholesaling in 2014, built a million-dollar wholesale business right here in Birmingham, Alabama. From there, I started doing some other things, bought a couple of properties. I'd always had interest in mobile home parks. It's, it's really interesting. I know we're probably going to get into this question, but it's really interesting from the very beginning, mobile home parks were kind of planted into my mind because of the person who trained me at the Rich Dad Seminar couldn't mm-hmm. stop talking about them. So, it was kind of like, I guess psychologically just kind of planted in my mind. And and from there, I just felt like I always, I needed to get a mobile home park.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I've never been to a Rich Dad seminar, although I've read many of the books. Um, But there's been numerous folks that have told me that have attended these seminars. They have told me the same exact thing that they talk a good bit about mobile home parks. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know that they have specific training on it, but uh, maybe there's this one, maybe there's one individual, the one you're speaking of, that brings it up quite often. Who knows? Either way, it's a great niche. And uh, I'm glad I stumbled into it as well. it was by accident for me, just like it sounded like it was for you as well. I mean, you weren't necessarily going to Rich Dad to find out about mobile home parks, but uh, that seed was planted in your brain and here we are today. And so, I want to talk a little bit, before we get into the mobile home parks, I want to talk a little bit about that that mind shift that happened to you when you yeah. uh, did that very first deal. Because I think that's important. It doesn't matter whether it's a wholesale deal or it's a fix and flip or you buy your first apartment or mobile home park, whatever it might be, it doesn't really matter. Totally. It's really about that proof of concept to you, that was the proof of concept that, okay, like this, this might work for some might not work for others, but it worked for me. And that's all that matters, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and in me in
2: particular, I'm sure there's probably gonna be a lot of people who are listening to this that maybe share a similar story to me. You know, I grew up um, in a single parent household. Uh, I grew up in a, you know, two room shack. We didn't have anything. We didn't even have indoor plumbing. We had an outhouse and I'm not that old, right? Um, So this is like, you know, the late eighties. Um, you know, this kind of tough upbringing, um, on the day of my high school graduation, my dad looked at me in the eye, everyone was asking me, what are you going to do next? I'm like, well, I'm probably going to go to college. And my dad looked at me right in the eye and said, why you barely graduated high school? What makes you think you're going to graduate from college? So just having all of that negativity is just all I ever really knew. And, you know, I, I did go to college. I did graduate with a 2.23 GPA, <laughs> but, I, yeah, but I did graduate. It works. <laughs> um, went to the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. And, uh, you know, after that, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think a lot of people are in that same boat now. and They get out of college, have a degree that's, I don't want to say it's useless, but it's, you know, tough to make money with, a, with, a certain, with certain types of degrees. Mm-hmm. And I had a liberal arts degree, so it's very difficult. Um, bounced around, did a lot of different things. And I ended up getting into basketball. I coached basketball and went back to school, got my master's degree in education. I thought I was going to be a teacher. I thought I was going to be a basketball coach and a teacher for the rest of my life. You know, uh, no one really tells you this, but you don't, don't make that much money doing that. So, <laughs> so I was just always searching. You know, I was 30 years old by the time I found real estate. I was just always searching and searching just on a whim, just went to the seminar, paid a couple hundred bucks. You know, what's there, what is there to lose? And I was just desperate. I was at this place of desperation in my life where, um, typically people aren't going to change. You know, I've learned that, um, you know, over time, just studying people, people just don't change something, um, tragic or some, some sort of desperation has to be prevalent for someone to change. And that's where I was. I felt like my back was against the wall. I didn't have any money. I had bad credit. And I went out there and I made something happen, which I didn't even know that it could happen. I, I made all the mistakes in the book Um, I used the wrong closing attorney. I was, you know, using the wrong language. I was telling the seller that I own, or the buyer that I own the property when I didn't, I was just trying to flip the paper. And at the end of the day, 45 days later, I end up with a check in my hand for $10,000, completely changed everything, complete game changer.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love it. Hey, you got, you got I mean, th- that is the foundation for where you're at today. And you, you made lots of uh, strides along the way. And I mean, you got your own brokerage firm now. I, I don't know how many deals you ended up flipping. It's not like a very large number uh, during your wholesaling days. And are you still wholesaling today? I mean, is that still a big part of your business or has it shifted? So,
2: I don't wholesale personally that much, but I have a lot of coaching students. We do deals together. So, um, I have a local, we, you know, you alluded to it in the intro. Um, I host ARIA. So, if anyone's watching this, they see it in my backdrop too. Um, Al ARIA, the Alabama Real Estate Investor Association. We do bring in a lot of great speakers all throughout the country, and we also do our own coaching and teaching. So, I was a teacher and I found real estate was really just a vehicle for me to get to a destination. My destination, the reason I was put on this earth is very, very clear. I was, I was put here to teach and to educate people in, in whatever facet that may be. And it just so happened that it's real estate. Not that I don't love real estate. I do love it, but it's not my purpose. And so I, to answer your question, I don't do really my own wholesale deals anymore, but we partner on deals with our coaching students. Gotcha, gotcha. So we, we still do a lot of wholesale through our our umbrella. Let's talk about that 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 real estate club that you did you start it. Were you the actual founder of that group? Yeah, we we launched in January 2017, so we're about a year and a half old, and we already have 620 members. Wow! At our at our most recent meeting, we had 215 people there, so um, we're we're growing by leaps and bounds. I, I'm you know. I know that this isn't a show about how to start a RIA, but that's my next book. You know, the next book I write is going to be, you know, the RIA revolution, how to really grow and start a yeah. RIA. The old way of doing things is 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 no good. The system is broken. And we found a way to really break in and, and kind of disrupt the system a little bit. And we're we're doing it here in Birmingham, Alabama.
1: Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, you're right. This, the, the show topic here today is not about how to start a RIA, right? But this show is all about how to make money investing in real estate, more specifically sure. mobile home parks. But there's many different marketing methods uh, that you can utilize or leverage in order to be more successful as a real estate investor or a mobile home park investor. One of those could be a, a RIA group, right? One of those could be a meetup group that you start. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, how, just very quickly, in, in a very brief manner, tell me how starting that club has positively changed your life and your business. So it's hard to do that briefly. I'll just, I'll just kind of sum it up with, with a phrase.
2: Um, it all comes down to being the authority in your marketplace. Mm-hmm. You need to be seen as the authority locally where you are. There are a lot of people that are doing this all throughout the country. How can you position yourself to be known as the authority in your local marketplace? Kevin, if you don't mind, real quick, can I get, I know we're probably gonna do this at the end, but I wrote a book it's called Nothing's for Sale. It's how to become the local authority in your real estate market. And that's, that's, what I, that's, that's how it all started for me. Being known as, if you think of Alabama, you think of Alabama real estate, it's, it's the craziest thing in the world, Kevin, but people think of me. And It's really wild. And it's just because I went and I, I started ARIA. I used the help and the leverage of other people, of other people's resources. And it's been a complete game changer for me. And not only me, it's, it's a game changer for people all throughout the country who are really buying into this authority um, mindset.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I love it and I agree with that. I mean, just like we're doing right now on the podcast, right? I mean, totally. just, anyone can go start a podcast. You started your podcast, uh, how long ago? A year or two ago? You've already yeah, got- a year and a half ago. Yeah, uh, hundreds of episodes. And uh, just that alone has allowed you to leverage your expertise and, and be viewed as an expert in your space. And uh, having, uh, a, having a RIA, having a book,
2: writing a yeah, book, yeah. Um, having a podcast, all these things are leverage tools to help you increase your credibility and help you to be known as the authority in your marketplace. And the craziest thing is all that can be done with just a little bit of you know, kind of suave marketing. It's really not even, and not to say that it's not true, but really if you just position yourself correctly, um, anyone, anyone could really do that.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. Well, good deal. I I, I don't want to digress too much, but no, it's great information. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal information, but let's get on to talking about mobile home parks. I mean, that's what what everyone's here for. They're here to learn about how they can either purchase their first, first mobile home park, or maybe they bought their first one. Didn't, didn't do a great job with it. So they're learning, they want to learn how to do it better, right? How to become a better mobile home park investor. And so let's talk about this first deal. Yeah. Um, we know how that seed got planted in your brain. It was at the Rich Dad Seminar. Someone brought up mobile home parks and they, and they talked about it quite often to where you had this seed planted and it had you at least interested, right? It piqued your interest in this space. And so talk to me about that hunt for that very first park and how you found it, first and foremost, how you found it. Well...
2: <laughs> I would like to say that it was a hunt. It really, I feel like it found me. Um, so, you know, I I told the story I'm out here wholesaling. Um, I'm out here really grinding and hustling. Um, a lot of people obviously are listening to this, know a lot about the real estate space. We were just hanging up bandit signs. We hang up, we buy houses signs all throughout, you know, our city. And I got a call one day completely out of the blue from a guy. Uh, I pick up the phone. I say, we buy houses. And his opening line is, do you buy mobile home parks? And I was taught a long time ago, don't ever say no to anything. (laughs) I said, maybe. what do you have? And thankfully, I'd actually um, studied a little bit. Um, So, this would have been in June, you know, kind of the summer of 2015 is when I got that call. But a year prior, I went through a um, I went through like a boot camp, a mobile home park boot camp that I'm sure you're familiar with, Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. Yep. They they do yeah. So um, they do Mobile Home University, Mobile Home Park University, whatever it is. I went through their boot camp just because I was interested in it in Orlando, and I just learned a ton about it. Wasn't really in pursuit of one to answer your question. Someone called a We Buy Houses sign <laughs> right here in my area, and we I said. Time. I said maybe, and I went and took a look at it. And, and it took about six months. But after about six months of negotiating, he wanted way too much for it. After about six months of negotiating, we came up with a fair price and fair terms. And I became the owner of my first park.
1: Okay, good deal. So, cool. Abandoned Sign is how you found it. Let's, it, let's talk about the market. It's in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, correct? It is, yes, sir. It's in the city Libbins of Birmingham, Alabama. It is, Talk to us a little bit about the uh, the area, the market. I mean, is it a a market, a B market, a C market? I mean, we'll we'll use the the multifamily classification model, uh, A, B, or C. I know mobile home parks sometimes go by one, two, three, or four, or five star, but we'll use the A, B, C model. With C being, you know, very lower uh, working class, and D meaning war zone. So, give me an idea, okay. of what kind of market it was in?
2: Yeah. So I was about to say, what's what's lower than a C? Yeah, you got, a, you
1: got yeah. anything lower than a D? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I mean. Yeah, you, know, you get the E and F, I mean, it's yeah. just, you mean, yeah, that, that's scary, right? You got to pack heat during the day and you still wouldn't yeah. make your worst enemy go there. <laughs> right. So, it's tough. It's in a tough part of town. It's downtown
2: Birmingham. Uh, it's the only park left that's in the downtown area. We have a lot of parks wow. here locally that are around the periphery in the suburbs, but we don't have any other parks left in downtown the downtown area except this one. So, it's um, over in an area called West End, which is next to some apartment complexes called South Park, which if you were to ask any about five years ago, what's the most dangerous part of Birmingham? You would have said South Park. (laughs) So it's they butt right up next to those apartments. The great news is about three years ago, a brand new police station was built. You could literally throw a rock from the park to hit it. And it has made all the difference in the world. There's actually a little bit of revitalization um, in the area. So uh, it's still pretty, you know, it's still pretty tough. But Thankfully, I have actually, you know, in two and a half years now of owning this park, I've never had an issue um, with any kind of crime, any kind of break-ins, um, really, to my knowledge, no drugs, nothing like that. So, I've been very fortunate.
1: Wow. Okay. Good deal. And so, uh, you mind sharing the what you paid for it? It was 59 sure. spaces, I think we we talked about in the very beginning, uh, 59 spaces, uh, how many occupied? Let's talk yeah. about that first. How many occupied? Yeah, it was fully occupied when I bought it. 59. Uh, so, 59 spaces, 59 homes. It, yep. It was fully occupied
2: when I bought it. It's fully. Are you asking me when I bought it or today? It's it's fully occupied today. <laughs>
1: okay, but it wasn't uh, when you bought it. When you bought it, it had some vacant homes.
2: No, sir. It was fully occupied when I bought it. A uh-huh. lot rates were very, very low. Um let's see it. The, all the trailers are in really tough shape. Um, it was a turnaround project for sure. The, the owner previous, it was a mom and pop. Um, they'd had it for a very long time and they were just trying to, you know, they were running it like the best that they knew how, but they were running it like a mom and pop would know, would run it. Um, you know, just, it was, it was really, you know, not something that we would think of as far as like passive, we want passive income. This guy was at the park every single day. It was his job. Yeah, I mean, it was his job to be there, and he was there. I think there were out of fifty-nine mobile homes, there were twenty-eight park-owned homes when we purchased it, and he was there. And he was when I first met him, the very first time I ever pulled up, he was inside of one of the homes working on it to get it ready to re-rent. And so I knew right away. Obviously, I'd taken the classes; I'd learn. You know, that's no good. You want to treat it more like a parking lot. You want to rent out the spaces. So we did a lot of things to turn it around um, one of those things is sell. We wanted to sell the mobile homes back to the tenants and we were able to do that successfully. We were down to one park owned home. Um, as of today, we actually just sold one today. We had two, we're down to one <laughs> and, uh, and were, but we're buying them back too, because people want every once in a while they want to leave. So we're, we would rather buy them back to control it. We want to sure. control that inventory. Um, and then we sell it. We don't make any money on that. Don't want to make money on that. We want to get it in the hands of someone yep. Wants to be there and is going to pay that lot rent
1: reliably. Are the are these all metal metal trailers? Older like seventies and eighties model trailers? Yeah, so they're. I mean, they're
2: some of them are even older than that. So some of them okay. are sixties models. Um, a lot of them are seventies models. The newest uh, mobile homes in the park are um, early eighties. Okay, got it, got it. City water, city sewer. I'm assuming it um, is city water, city sewer. Which you know that's the one thing I was told. If you're new and you never bought a park, make sure you get that city water, city sewer. So it's it's been a, a really a, a a lot better thing than I've I've heard of other people get having getting into some big time trouble with water and, and yeah uh, sure sewage issues.
1: How about during the the contract phase during your due diligence? Yeah. Did you run into any issues or any uh, major concerns with the park?
2: Yeah. Well, the, so this is my first park. So I, everything was a surprise and everything was a concern, <laughs> you know, in the beginning. Um, for me, you know, walking through the park numerous times before we actually closed on it, um, the things that the, the, the red lights going off in my mind were, you know, hoses, hose pipes are just running. You know, there's no accountability with the water whatsoever. the The previous owner was just charging a flat forty dollar fee for water, Oof. so that was no good. Even though the the homes were worse, all sub metered, he he just wasn't reading the meters. Oh my gosh! Um, so so that's one of that was an obvious fix that we could do pretty quickly. There were a lot of water leaks that we had to fix um, right off the bat. Um, some things that some you know causes of concern that were kind of going off in my mind. There was a guy. Uh, there were two different situations. One had kind of, so there's 12 acres with 59 spaces. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of room. Um, -hmm. that's all the, all the mobile homes are kind of packed pretty tight actually, but then there's a lot of just acreage just sitting Mm -hmm. there, just wooded acreage. So, um, there's just a guy that just made a big, um, rabbit pen. I mean, a huge rabbit pit. I mean, probably the, probably the size of, you know, a half a football field. I mean, it's enormous. There's oh my gosh. 50 rabbits in this thing. And I'm like, you know, you got to do something about that. You know, I knew I knew. ride. I didn't know what I could do about that. I knew I had to do something about that. Another guy had like a big chicken coop built and, you know, a guy, another guy had a goat and I guess I, I'd never saw it, but I heard it, you know, kind of through the rumors of the park that they're sacrificing goats like every month and stuff like this. And it's just oh like, my gosh. Hey, that's no good.
1: We're, <laughs> we we got to stop that. So, so I get the chickens and I get the goats, but the rabbits, rabbits. What, do you, what do you do with 50 rabbits? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, he got rid of them. Rabbits a, do or what? Yeah. No,
2: I don't know. <laughs> um, some guys were just burning, you know, burning a lot of stuff, burning garbage, burning, you know, debris. And it's just like, no, we can't have, we're in the city limits of Birmingham. So no, can't have any of that. So those are things for, were cause for concern because I just didn't know any better. Um, you know, the whole park was um, uh, all Hispanic which no problem with that. But, you know, there comes, you know, I'm questioning, you know, if there are illegal immigrants in this, which I don't, do I find out? Do I try to do something about that? You know, just things like that. I just don't know any better. A lot of the government type of stuff, um, is there, you know, are they going to allow me to pull more trailers in here? Um, are they going to allow me to take any out? Things like that. So just a lot of things like that. I just had to do research on just to try to figure out.
1: Wow. When you went down the road of finding out if you could pull trailers out and bring new ones in, I know in city limits, it can be very challenging. Lots of cities are much more challenging than than the counties are. Did you run into any roadblocks or, um, you know, really your barriers with dealing with the city and and knowing that new ownership, I'm sure based on what you're telling me, it was in pretty fair or poor condition. And so I'm sure it's probably been a sore spot for the city for a long but time, it right? Is. And so- they can handle that one of two ways. They can they can, you know, you know, kind of praise you as the new owner. Yeah, thank God. You know, like this guy's gonna come to do something, or they can say, This is our chance. This right. is our chance to try to shut this thing down once and for all. How did they manage it?
2: Yeah, so um it went pretty quiet the first year because I don't think they really realized it. Um, but yeah, the second year was pretty tough. I mean, they re- they started coming in there patrolling it. Um, like with the, the code enforcers will start coming in there a lot more often. Um, as far as um what were you asking again about uh the, the uh, pulling the trailers in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taking old ones out, bringing new ones in. So we were um we were told right off the bat that we cannot do anything like that. If we if we take one out, it's out and it's you lose your grandfathering rights um at that point. So we couldn't bring any new ones in. Um, although um we may have used a, a Saturday to maybe do something like that. <laughs> may or may not have done that. Um but um you know, when it comes to the government, they got, they got a lot more involved. They wanted to be a lot more involved in that second year. I guess that they, that's when they did realize that some stuff was going on. They come in and patrol it. I got written, to my, it came to my office. Um, out of 59 spaces, I got, I think, 40 letters, 39 or 40 letters, like that were specific citations for, for 40 of the 59 units. Oh my gosh. Like saying just, just some of it was silly. Some of it was legitimate. Um, you know, tires piled up a couple of cars on blocks. You need to, you need to do something about this, some debris, some things like that. So, um, I went and they gave me a month to get it fixed. I went and posted, i made copies of all the letters I posted on all those doors and I gave them two weeks to get their stuff fixed. And if they didn't, we had to do it. We'd fine them. So we went and did everything the city asked us to do and haven't really heard much of them since then. Um, we send away for our health department, um, whatever it's called the, you know, the thing from the city, the city health department, the permit, yeah. the permit mm-hmm. we send away for that. It's like maybe a hundred bucks a year. Um, we just try to do what they ask us to do. Most yep. recently, they wanted to see a survey, so we had to provide them with a survey. I don't why. I don't know. Um, we got this letter that just said that they wanted a survey, so we're just we're doing what they ask us to do. Sure. Um, we're you know we know that we're um, probably a little bit bothersome for them. <laughs> But uh, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, there's I don't think there's really a whole lot they can do about it. You okay,
1: know? so so to turn this thing around, sounds like you you went on a selling spree and and yes. were working to sell these park on units back. You did definitely clean up. I mean, you basically went in and forced the residents to clean their junk up. Um, you know, get their units whipped in shape, get the tires out of the yards, get the rabbit pens and the goat pens and the, <laughs> yep. the chicken pens, get those taken down. Yep. Talk to me about lot rents going in. You said they were abnormally low yeah. for the area. Yes. I'm assuming that part of town, they, they probably should be somewhere near three hundred dollars a month, right? Uh, or maybe two fifty, three hundred. Is, is yeah. that market? Um, so,
2: so in in my research, I found that the the parks around the periphery were going for about between two thirty and two fifty for a lot rent. Okay. Um, the the previous owner, he was you know he was just a guy that tried to uh, he was a people pleaser. Um, he yeah. tried to take care of people um, the best he could. Um, he had some people paying as much as 155 for lot rent and some people paying as low as maybe 55 or maybe oh $700 God. for <laughs> lot rent. So um, <clears throat> we came in on day one. There, there are a few things we knew we could fix right away. One, we, we knew we could fix the water. water. Yeah. We knew we could start charging them for their water usage. So the first water bill I ever got was $7,500. The second water bill I ever got was (laughs) $3,500. So we more than cut it in half, fixed over 30 leaks and we started reading meters. So we knew we could fix that. Secondly, um, was the lot rents. We were able to, we raised the lot rents to 175 uniform across the board on day one. Mm -hmm. I learned, I learned a big lesson and I'll, and I was told, the, the, the crazy thing is, I was told to do this and I didn't do it cause I was scared, but I was told to raise them on day one, raise them to market rents. And I'm like, well, some people are going to go from like 75 to like 250. And I, I was scared to death of that. Well, I went from 75 to 175 and that, that's pretty scary on, uh, you know, by itself. But, uh, I got two chickens. So I went to 175 across the board on day one when, uh, Everybody got upset. nobody left and i I realized that right then I could have raised it to two hundred fifty on day one yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean yeah. it's uh, we, we've done, we've done both and yeah. uh, i can, I can tell you from personal experience we've had some big blowbacks on um, not even taking it to full market, but where there's been big uh, discrepancies in the going in rents versus what the market is and so it just really depends on on, on It depends on the park, the market, the tenant base. There's lots of factors. So I will tell you that there's no necessarily right or wrong. There is a right or wrong for the particular park. There's not a right or wrong, like broad brushstroke across the board that you gotcha. should always do that. So just know from firsthand experience that it doesn't always work as planned. <laughs> gotcha. Going in and doing that. Um, talk to me about the price that you paid for it. Um, sure. General idea of what you put back into it and uh, what you're hoping to exit out for. Yeah, so I bought it he wanted 1.3 million.
2: Okay. Thought that was a little high. <laughs> we yeah, settled a on, little. Yeah. We settled on 760, which I still thought that was a little bit high, but I felt like I could go in and make some improvements and get a good sales price on the exit if if I wanted to exit. I wasn't I wasn't 100% clear at that moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Settle on 760, the the key to that was I only put 60 down. He okay. carried, so he carried 700 um, fully amortized over 12 years, which he wanted. He, so, I usually when I negotiate, I usually ask, the, I like to ask the question, what do you need? What is yep. most important to him? And what was most important for him at that time was a particular cash flow number. He needed $6,000 a month to live. Mm-hmm. So, I just reverse engineered it and said, I'll give you the $6,000 a month and that equaled 12 years of amortization. Um, with the 60000 down, so at a 3.6% interest rate. So paid $760,000, down. I negotiated. I thought this was, you asked me what I put into it. I thought, I think this is key too with negotiations is a lot of people don't think to do this. I asked for my first payment to not be made for six months. Yeah, I didn't make my first payment for six months. It allowed me to start reinvesting everything back into the park without coming out of pocket. And that's exactly what I did. To this day two and a half years later, I've never ever come out of pocket one dime to fix something in this park. It's always come from the the rents. It's always come from the the revenue of the yeah
1: park. yeah, that's great. Now we, we always push for that. I mean every every circumstance is a little different, but mm-hmm. there's been situations I think the most we've ever gotten was was four months of, uh, of no no payments on the owner finance uh, uh, structure. but yeah you, you got you never know if you don't ask for it, totally you get it right that's right <laughs> No it's totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. And how so, about, can you, can you share any details on the exit? I know you're in contract today. I know you yeah. can't really disclose, um, you know, what it's under contract for, but can you give me maybe a ballpark range of what you're hoping to exit out for? And I would just, sure. we'll just, we're reading, we'll read in between the lines here. Sure. You know, and I'd love to give you the details,
2: Um, you know, soon, once it finally closes, you know, hopefully knock on wood. Um, We put it, I'll just say this, we put it up for sale for 1.25.
1: Okay. Yeah, I was, I was thinking uh, probably like 1.2 to 1.3. So, yeah, I was right in that range. Good deal. Good deal. I just did some quick math on your lot rents based on 59 did occupied it. and uh, back the napkin and that's what I came up with. There so, that's a, probably right around like, like a nine cap, something like that.
2: Yeah. So, it ends up being a closer, a little bit closer to a 10 maybe um, okay. is what, you know, is what we projected because our lot, well, our lot rents just... Our lot rents today are so we've gone up twenty dollars a month. Maybe that's something you didn't factor in. We not not a month. I'm sorry, a year. We've gone up twenty dollars a year on lot rent. We went to one seventy five on day one. We we're at one ninety five a year in 2017. We're at two fifteen today. Okay. And so, and we project on January one of next year, if we if we still own it, um, we'll go to two thirty five.
1: So we're at two fifteen today. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Got it. Well, fantastic, man. Well, that's exciting. So that begs the next question. What's next, Whoa. man? What's, what's, yeah. next? what do you do after this one? I mean, you, 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 you basically, it's funny how everyone, you're willing to always get your hands really dirty on the first one. It sounds like you did that on this one, right? I mean, totally. like it, 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 kind of scary area. Um, probably yeah. wouldn't, probably wouldn't want to sleep there at night necessarily. I mean, you said you didn't have any issues of crime. Thank God the police stations across the street. So I'm sure that was a big help. Yep. At the end of the day, you had a lot of cleanup. um, I did. Lots of challenges there. Uh, Probably five years from now, you'll look back and be happy that you did that one, but you'll probably say, I don't really have the energy to do that one again. Well, a little bit lower hanging fruit. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) I'll speak from experience because that's what happened. I mean, we still take on projects, turn on projects, but there's a certain threshold of what that project looks like and uh, and the amount of headache that is associated with it. But in any event, it's not like this one wasn't that big of a headache. Just you didn't know what you're getting into. And it sounds like it's going to turn out yeah. for the best and you're going to turn around and uh, have a great ROI from, you know, the short two, two and a half years that you held it. So,
2: yeah. So, well, I, so I think what is the key factor in this one in particular is it was, it was in my own backyard. You know, I live 20 yeah. minutes away from this park. It, it made it very easy to go. I was there every day for the first two months and I was in it. I was working in it pretty hard for two full months. Um, so you asked, you asked the question, what's next, next. Um, it's tough. You know, I'd like to probably 1031, a lot of that money, you know, we've paid the note down. That's another thing that you, you need to consider is yeah. over, over the course of two years with a short amortization, our payment was pretty high. So we were really plowing away at that principle. So yeah. we're going to actually, we're going to get a nice little chunk here at closing. would like to try to 1031 that into something. Um, I don't really feel like we are in a great market to buy right now, unless you can just find a great deal. So, um, I'd love to 1031 and I hate to, I hate to pay taxes on, on that kind of, that kind of chunk, but you know, um, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking now, I'm scouting out some stuff now. We're actually looking for a permanent home for our Ria. Um, so it may be, do, we may do some kind of like flex office space where we're going to have an actual venue where we don't have yeah. to keep going to the hotel,
1: um, month after month. So we're looking, we're looking at some stuff. Okay, good deal. How are you, I mean, are you proactively, um, you know, doing direct mail or cold calling for other opportunities? I mean, are, how are you going about finding other deals to potentially consider as far as mobile home parks are concerned? So, I'm not really doing
2: anything um, to market for a mobile home park today. We Got do it. a lot of marketing for single family residences. Um, we do, obviously, you know, through our coaching students, I have a RIA, which means I'm very, you know, goes back to that authority thing. I'm very well known in my area. When someone has a good, when someone has a deal on anything and they can't sell it, they're typically coming to me. Um, if they can't sell something, it's probably going to be a pretty, Tough, maybe a turnaround project. So we're looking at stuff like that. I'd love to get into some apartments, um, something like that. Um, very interested in in kind of making that that jump, making that leap. I've done a lot of single family stuff, um, so I'm very interested in getting into apartments eventually. But um, you know, the price has to be right. That you know, this market we're in a we're in a total seller's market, so it's 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 yep. pretty tough. You know, um, when it comes to finding a great deal. But if you if I can find a great deal between now and then, I know I don't have very long to identify a property.
1: Yeah. But if I can do it. Um, we we would make that leap. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's always better to pay taxes than to buy a bad deal on a 1031. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel. And I've had multiple 1031s fail just because I wasn't willing to place it into a subpar investment, you know, just because I didn't want to hand over a few dollars to Uncle Sam. Uh, So I want to talk to you about, you know, if you had if you had some advice to give a new park investor, so you're just going through this first phase. If you could give advice to someone that's getting into their very first park uh, after the lessons and, and challenges that you faced with this first endeavor of yours, what would some of those, you know, some of that advice be?
2: Yeah, well, first and foremost, like mobile home park investing is not, I don't think it's something that you can just maybe listen to one podcast and and kind of get it and go out and Uh-oh. do it. You know, it's, it's, it's for me, I... I studied this stuff. I went to a class, not only went to a class, mm-hmm. I studied it for really like a year, uh, maybe even 18 months. Um, studying it, you never know, never know when something's going to come along. Um, so that's step one is really just kind of studying it, um, getting it, you know, listening to, you know, Kevin's podcast, listening to people that have done it before you. Um, I'm not sure if you have training, but, you know, get with someone like Kevin that is um, that is has done it. And, you know, um, maybe even build up um, a, you know kind of a quote unquote board of advisors you know get around people that have already done it before you and learn from them Give, get into these forums um, get i 'm sure you probably have a Facebook group or a page or something that you guys do. get into these groups and just learn as much as you can saturate your your mind with as much information as you can and that 's going to help he 's going to make it 's going to help you make a, a wise purchasing decision um, i can 't stress enough um, city water city sewer um, if <laughs> If it's your first park, just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, even to this day, even though I've done one. So I tr- just quick story. Um, a really good friend of mine who lives in San Diego owned a park here in Alabama and he saw that I was having success with mine. I did a really good job turning mine around and he's like, man, I need you to go and help me turn mine around too. Cause it's, it's a mess. And it was about an hour from me, um, about an hour east towards, uh, going towards Atlanta from me. Mm-hmm. And, and I went and I tried to help him out, went a few times. And then and I, I kind of got involved a little bit. And this is like something where it, it's an old septic mm-hmm. system. And there was like, I think 42 pads and we had a septic guy come in there and said, there was the old, all these old septic tanks were like 50 and 60 years old. They were made out of block. They're made out of cinder block. And they're saying, you got to revamp the whole thing. It's going to cost you like 300 grand. (laughs) (laughs) And then not only that, if you wanted to hook up to the sewer, the, the, the crazy thing is the city sewer hookup was like 300 yards away, and the city said they'd do it, but you had to pay for it, and it was going to be like
1: 200 grand. Well, yeah, you got to run the sewer line through the park and then pay the tap fees and hookups and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's, a, that's expensive. <laughs>
2: so, he didn't want to do any of that, and I'm just like, bro, man, I love you, dude, but
1: like, I just, <laughs> this is a different animal than what I'm used to. So he was having ch- his challenges with that community were more due to the infrastructure than it right? was necessary to the tenant base, or he was probably having a hard well, time keeping with his tenants. Because totally. of maybe you know continual uh, infrastructure challenges, right.
2: yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Lost, he lost a ton on that deal. So, and that was his first mobile home park. Um, and I met him at that mobile home park boot camp that I went to, and he was like, "Oh, you're from Alabama? Go check." And, and I went and checked on it, and and then I got mine like a year or two later from that. And he's and he's had it the whole time, and it's it's, it's losing money. He's paying oh, interest only the whole time. He's like, "That's the worst thing I ever did." So he what he did don't do this. He bought the park and then went and got trained. Don't do that. (laughs) Get trained first. And then go buy a park.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we, we own numerous communities on private utility setups, different types. We have septics. We have um, uh, well systems. We don't have any package plants or lagoons or anything like that. But we're not opposed to it. It just really comes down to being knowledgeable, getting experts on your side yes. uh, during the due diligence phase. I mean, we just did uh, full due diligence on a park that has a uh, a package plant uh, that comes with it. And, you know, if you'd asked me like four years ago, I would have probably just shied away from it only because I was uneducated about it. And it just seemed scary, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, But at the end of the day, that's what experts are for. And, uh, you know, we always, we never try to skimp on the due diligence side, as far as like uh, money's concerned, when it comes to hiring the proper experts to go in and inspect these different systems. And I think that's what it really comes down to. And never, never hire the company that's currently managing the system. For example, most of these package plans, they have a licensed operator that oversee them on a regular basis. Well, go Mm -hmm. hire a different one. Go hire a different company to come in and do the inspections on it so that you actually get an unbiased opinion as to the condition that it's in and uh, any major improvements that are going to be needed, you know, either now or in the very near future. So...
2: And I think you said something important there too, is that you're, you're not skimping on that stuff. And maybe for a newer investor, a newer person into the space that may not have, may may not feel like, you know, going to get, you know, all the, all this stuff done may cost tens of thousands of dollars yeah. and they may not be, Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to kind of just, you know, I, I think I got it. Well, that right there, I would advise you against. Yeah. And your due diligence is going to be a lot less costly if you do go with city water, city sewer as well. So yeah,
1: yeah. you're right because it can be sunk costs. I mean, like we go into every deal knowing that we might spend that money. We try to we try to segment out our due diligence uh, expenses as far as like when we're going to order the environmental, when we're going to order the survey. We try to uh, parse all that out so that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves. Because we know at any point in time, there is something that could come up to where the deal might die, right? I mean, there's a chance of a deal dying. And so, but you always have to go into knowing that that could be all those expenses. Could, they could be sunken. I mean, they, they, they could be lost, a lost cause if the deal dies. And, uh, and yeah. sometimes it's added up for us to be, you know, 20 and $30,000 and it doesn't happen often, but I mean, the risk is there. And that's a big, really big pill to swallow for someone that's brand new, getting into totally. the first park. You know, I mean, that, that could be the difference of them actually ever doing a park again. If they lose that's all right. that money on the first one, they might not have a lot of money left over to do a real one the next time around. <laughs> so, that's right. Um, in any anyway, Brian, this has been a lot of fun, my friend. I really appreciate you, you coming on the show. And how can pe- pe- people reach out to you? How can they learn more about you? What's the best place to get? Yeah. yeah, well, you, know, you
2: see the backdrop, com. You can definitely check us out there, A-L-A-R-E-I-A.com. And I'd love, Kevin, if you just have one second, I'd love to give your listeners a free copy of my brand new book. Um, it's yeah. called Nothings for Sale, I alluded to it earlier. Nothingsforsale.com yeah. is the website. You can go get a free copy of this. Nothings, there's a plural, nothings. For for and get this book, How to Become the Local Real Estate Authority by Giving Everything Away. And that's just what we believe in here. It's how we're able to build the RIA. It's how we're able to become the authority in our marketplace. Just trying to give tremendous value to our um, listeners, to our, our audience, just like you're doing, Kevin. So, yeah, I it.
1: love that, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing that. And guys, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well for you so you can go ahead and grab the link. Again, it's nothings for, nothings for sale.com, right? Is that it? That's it. Nothing's for sale. How do you, that's a good domain name. I can't believe that one was available for sale. You like that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Well, awesome, man. Well, Brian, I appreciate it. And guys, that's all we have for today's episode. But uh, before we say goodbye and and, and say goodbye for the day, I just want to remind you of the free gift that we also offer to all listeners who take the time to go over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. We'll give you the exact cold call script that we use in our very own mobile home park business. And uh, we do a lot of direct mail, a lot of cold calling. And We've bought about half of our portfolio today from our cold calling efforts. And so if you're serious about getting started in this business and taking either buying your first park or taking your existing mobile home park business to the next level, then you really need to be uh, cold calling park owners. I mean, it's a very effective way and uh, we'll give you the exact script that we use again in our very own business. And here's what you're going to do to redeem this free gift. After you submit your review on iTunes, go ahead and just send us an email to gift at mobilehomeparkacademy.com and tell us, who you are, what screen name that you use to leave that review, and we'll go ahead and send that that cold call script out to you. Also, you can go stop by Mobile Home Park Academy website at mobilehomeparkacademy.com and listen to all the pre, previous podcast episodes. I think there's over 90 now that we have there. Lots of really granular content. Uh, lots of the earlier episodes, we go really deep into our business model. And so, um, as Brian had mentioned, you need to educate yourself. You need to saturate your mind in this business if you want to be successful. And so, Start off by listening to the, you know, 70 or 80 hours worth of podcasts that we have out there. Tons of great information from guests like Brian that are out there in the trenches to very, again, granular podcast episodes that Charles and I did, uh, uh, you know, over the last months and years where we go deep into our business and our operations, okay? Um, You can also go download our free ebook that we offer on the website. It's called The 21 Biggest Mistakes Investors Make When Purchasing Their First Mobile Home Park and How to Avoid Them. Um, This is absolutely required read as well. It's a very easy read. It's basically the 21 biggest mistakes that we came up with uh, that Charles and I both learned uh, getting into our first few parks. And so I guarantee it's gonna at least save you tens of thousands of dollars if you read that book if you're going into that very first park. So guys, thanks again for stopping by. And, uh, that's all I have. So this is your host, Kevin Buck signing off.
0: Congratulations for taking the necessary steps to achieving massive success through the highly lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. Be sure to visit our website, mobilehomeparkacademy.com to download your free digital ebook version of the 21 biggest mistakes investors make when buying their first mobile home park and how you can avoid them. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our free monthly mobile home park investing newsletter, which is jammed full of valuable tips, tricks, and strategies to help you accelerate your path to success as a mobile home park investor. More information about this podcast and its hosts can be found by visiting mobilehomeparkacademy.com.